Well, we are in the second part of a series that we just call, simply called Ebenezer. And there's a lot of folks that were surprised that Ebenezer is a Bible word, that that's not something that Dickens just made up a weird name or, or something else, that it's a, it's a Bible thing. And honestly, in this culture and at this time of the year, when we say Ebenezer, we automatically think of the stingy old guy who hoarded up his money and hardened his heart and missed out on love and life because of his greed. And honestly, when we look at the biblical Ebenezer, this is this thing that it reminds us that God is our stone of help. And we're going to delve a little deeper into this. If you've got your Version app open for your notes, or you grabbed one of those awesome bulletins as you came in, then uh, we're going to fill those blanks in and learn, learn a little bit as we do it. <coughs> At this time of the year, like we already talked about, we celebrate the greatest gift humanity has ever, ever received. And that's Jesus. Like the little video we just watched. That it was, what an incredible thing to take place for Mary and Joseph to be able to say yes to that, that. That this group of shepherds minding their own business had angels show up and tell them all about it. That these wise king men loaded up way in advance and began to make this trek. I mean, all of the pieces of it are just, when put together, are epic, and when looked at individually, can seem commonplace. And it, it brings us the greatest gift ever. It brings us Jesus. And God sent His Son. That's the greatest thing. God loved us. He saw us in our need. He saw us in, our, in the dead state we were in, in our sin, and our our shame and our trespasses, and he sent his son to help us. And that's what we're looking at. Our jump-off scripture has been and will continue to be 1 Samuel 7, 12. It says, and then Samuel took a stone, and he set it up between Mizpah and Shen, and he named it Ebenezer, saying, Thus far has the Lord helped us. I told you last week that Ebenezer is a, is a compound word, a Hebrew compound word. Eben is a stone, a building stone, something you'd create something with. And in and Ezer is the, uh, the word to aid or to help. And Samuel just created a new word. He took those two Hebrew words and stuck them together and, and called this the stone of help. An incredible miracle had just taken place as they had cried out to God in this place of, of battle and war. And they commemorated, it. They celebrated it right there. It becomes this this monumental moment literally they create this monument this stone they they stand it up and call it their ebenezer this is our stone of help whenever time you're out and about and you walk past this thing we're going to remember that god helps us and folks all of us should have those moments in our lives where we, we can look back and they become these these pillars in our lives where God helps us. We all have these monumental moments in our lives anyways. These, these things that when we go to, to tell stories to our kids or we reflect on lives, we have these big things that, that they'll, they'll jump up and they'll pop up first. I've shared a number of mine with y'all before. I've talked about, you know, when my, when my mom decided to give me the perm simply on the top of my head, you know, and, and she was trying to help me. She was trying to be a, a, a mama kneeser. She was trying to be a mom of help. And uh, it, it just didn't work out so well. And, and I ended up looking like I had a toupee on the top of my head at 12 years old. It was bad. But I, I, it's one of these, 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 big, <clears throat> these big moments I've, uh, I've shared with you all before on uh, 
on just on me meeting my wife and just that that is just a, a monumental thing and I, I can remember the the first time I ever laid eyes on her it was I can I can still remember God bringing her into my life and and the 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 whirlwind courtship that we had and and met in March and we're married in December and the next March we're in ministry and it's just this incredible incredible thing the following March then the the Keenan shows up and just these things, these, these huge monumental things. I've shared with you all the story of our, our RV trip where, where we just kind of said, God, where are you taking us? And he says, guess what? I'm going to show you. And we sell everything. And we load all seven of us up and a couple of dogs in a motorhome. And we go trekking around and letting God grow in us. What we were going to be doing right back here where we started, here in San Angelo. We were, they were all of a sudden, who would have believed we were coming back here? I remember the, the first meeting of Celebration Church ever on January 4th, 2009 in Walton Dorley Harris's living room. And who was there that son? Who was there? Isn't that awesome? Coming up four years later, and then we got hands right here that were there that very first Sunday where we, we prayed for, for all of you that didn't raise your hands. All that began to be impacted and come in after the fact that we were talked about the, the impact and what God was going to do and what we, what we were believing. There were these huge monumental moments. They were big in and of themselves. But there's something about, there's, there's something about being able to see what God does with those monumental moments and then you look back on them and the impact grows they're big in and of themselves each one of my child's birth was big in and of itself but as i watch them grow and as we prayed over them when they were little and we see them mature and see god using them and 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 all of those things it just those that first time just gets remembering that gets sweeter and sweeter these monumental moments in our lives grow when we see what god was up to as we come here and we look back to that, yeah, it was a big deal. But over here, it's an, even, it's an even bigger deal. It was an incredible thing that God inserted this woman into my life and brought her. But now, coming up, I'm about to celebrate 19 years of marriage on the last day of this month. Woo! Yes. It's exciting. She is a good woman. And being able to look back and think, what, what if that meeting in Caro's would not have happened. What if that? What? Look at all of this life. Look at all of the impact. What a wonderful moment that was. But now about to celebrate 19 years. What an incredible moment that was. Looking up on coming up on my son's graduation and holding having him, my oldest man, holding him for the first time. What an incredible moment. But now stepping in and graduation a few weeks away and it seemed like an eternity away at that point. And now here it is in that moment. It's all the more impact and it is sweet. And that is the way when we begin to look as new covenant believers and we begin to look back at the Old Testament, we begin to look back at these things that all by themselves were monumental moments their grandness grows when we look at it through the lens of what God has done in our lives through Christ. 
So as we look at this with Ebenezer, the scriptures are rich with imagery, revealing what our stone of help would be for us. It's just, it's just absolutely rich when we understand that Jesus is our stone, that he is the rock that we, that we build. He's, the, he's the, the, the cornerstone that got rejected. He's the capstone in our lives. He's all of these different things. When we begin to look back at the Old Testament, all of a sudden these monumental moments are all the more rich. They're all the more meaningful. They're all the more powerful. And honestly, you know, as I was studying for this, we could look at the places even in the Old Testament where, where man used ebons, these building stones in these significant ways. We can look at, and, and see where Jacob was sitting there and he was fleeing and he was all by himself. And he goes around and he's thinking he's minding no business and he goes to lay down and, and, and go to, to nap under the stars that his daddy or grandfather had been told that those are going to represent the people that would come from him and be impacted by them. And he goes to get a pillow and he grabs an ebon. He grabs a rock. I have needed things to lay my head on multiple times and never have I grabbed a rock. And he grabs this rock and he puts it for his head. And as he is resting on that ebon, on that building stone, he has the vision and the dream that, uh, that uh, the reference of Jacob's ladder and this ladder that, that connected heaven and earth and this descending and ascending was taking place and that Jesus would eventually be that bridge between our humanity and, and heaven. And we, we, we could look at those things and, and we, could look, <clears throat> we could look at Babel and, and them deciding that they're going to pursue God on their own and they're going to reject the ebbings of life and they're going to build their own bricks and that that, that they begin to pursue life together outside of God. And they rejected those things. We could even look at David and him going into battle. As this Philistine is, is, is mocking God. And David decides he's not going to use a, a, a spear. And he's not going to use a, a shield. And he's not going to use a sword. And he's going to use and some ebons. He's going to use some stones. And he goes to fight the giant with just the most common, everyday thing and wins this great victory. But instead, what I want us to do in the next few short minutes is look at the places where God chose to use a stone, where God chose to use. We're going to start, we're going to start our trek back into the Old Testament by launching from the New Testament. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 10, 1 through 4. And it says, For I do not want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers, that our forefathers were all under the cloud. And if you're not familiar with this, that as the Israelites were moving around in the wilderness, they had come out of Egypt. They were going to the promised land, Israel. And they spent a long time, 40 years, wandering around, homeless, nomads. And that there was the cloud by day and the fire by night. And our forefathers were all under the cloud and they all passed through the sea where Moses splits the sea and they come out of, uh, of being enslaved being in slavery, and they were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and they all ate the same spiritual food, and they drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them, and that rock was Christ. This doesn't make a whole lot of sense if you don't know the couple of stories I'm about to share with you. We're going to look that Jesus is the rock that is our true source of living water. That's why he used these 
these imagery when he's talking to the Jewish people. And that Jesus, as the greatest gift, he is the gift of life. Obviously, there in the desert, as the Israelites are wandering through the desert, in our day in and day out, we need water. It's become pretty apparent as we've gone into some pretty significant rationing with our, with our drought that we're in, that water is a big, big, big deal. We can take it for granted all the time, but man, it gets scarce. We understand water and life are synonymous. Even Nestle has their little thing where they call it pure life. Well, here in Exodus 17, they've just come out of Egypt. They've just come out and they're wandering around. And this is at the beginning of their wanderings in the wilderness. And they don't have any water. And so they're now freaked out. They had lived in one of the best parts of Egypt, right there along the Nile and in the Nile Delta. They had water. Even today, if you go on to Google Maps and, and Google Earth, you can look down and see the Nile Delta and how green it is. And everything else is just nastiness, just just miles and miles and miles of that. That's where they had lived. And water had not been a big deal to them. Now they're out here and they don't have any water and they're freaking out. And they're griping and complaining like they kind of got used to doing. And here is what happens in Exodus 17.6. He says, I will stand there before you by the rock at Horeb. This is God <coughs> reminding him and telling Moses this. Strike the rock. Take that staff. Smack the rock. And water will come out of it for the people to drink. So Moses did this as a sign to the elders of Israel. Here it's, it was this miraculous provision of the source of life. They were in a place where what they needed for life did not exist. And here from this place, this rock, this place that would be a foundation, something you would, you would maybe want to hide behind or build a house on or something, something solid, would be their source of life. And so Moses takes his staff and he smacks it. The rock splits open and water comes out. And water that took care of million plus people, folks. This wasn't just a little bitty fountain. Everybody took their little, their little turn at. No, this is gushing water. It took care of their flocks. It was huge amounts of water. So that's one of the things that 1 Corinthians is referencing us there. But then it, that's not the only time it happens. It's kind of a bookend this, this water from the rock is kind of this bookend events for the children of Israel. They come out of slavery, and then right before they're about to go into what is really theirs, their inheritance, they're needing water again. They're in a totally different locale. They're in a totally different location. It's 40 years later. Those that are familiar with the Bible story, in that 40 years, that generation that came out of Egypt has died. You've got a whole new group of people here. A whole new group of people. And they're needing water. They're needing the source of life again. And let's look at Numbers 20. It says, The Lord said to Moses, Take the staff. Ah, oh, here's the staff again. You and your brother Aaron gather the, and the assembly together. Speak to the rock before their eyes. And it will pour out its water. The staff is supposed to be that. It represents Moses' authority. God didn't want it to look like Moses just forgot his staff and had to kind of ad-lib this thing. And he had to kind of go a different route and he should have maybe smacked it, but he forgot his staff back in the tent. Take the staff. It's there. It's present. But look, I want you to do something different. Speak to that rock before their eyes and it will pour out its rock. You will bring water out of the rock for the community so that they and their livestock can drink. 
My goodness, it's Exodus 17 all over again. So Moses took the staff from the Lord's presence just as he commanded him. All's looking good so far. And he and Aaron gathered the assembly together. They were told to do that. Still looking pretty good. In front of the rock, Moses <coughs> said to them, Listen, you rebels. Kind of getting a little angry, a little forceful. Listen, you rebels, we must, <coughs> must we, <sighs> him and God, not just God, must we, must we bring water out of this rock. Then Moses raised his arm and struck it. He hit the rock. He remembered the first time. He's got it all on the line. He's gathered everybody. Do we got to bring the water out of the rock? Everybody's expectant. He's already called it. Like the, like the, like the Babe Ruth. Boop. It better go there. It better go there. Got you all together. Got my stick. Here's the rock. Do we got to bring water for you? And who knows why? What snapped in him? What, what went? But he, he hits the rock. He doesn't do. God told him to speak to the rock. But he hits the rock. And I love this picture of grace. Those of you that are in this place of, of, of school of ministry with us, we're looking at pictures of grace. This is, both of these are great pictures of grace in the Old Testament. And he hits it twice. I think he smacks it and goes, hmm, smack again. And this, guess what? Guess what happens? Look at it. And he, sm he hit the rock twice. The first time, he probably had an opportunity to back up and do what God said. Bank. Woo! Oh, yeah, you said speak. No wonder there's no water. He had an opportunity. But instead, he strikes it again with his staff. And look what happens. Water gushed out. Water came out. The people got what they needed. That was what God was wanting to happen the whole time. Water gushed out. And the community and their livestock drank. But now God and Moses and Aaron have a powwow. People are drinking. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Because you did not trust in me enough to honor me as holy in the sight of the Israelites, you will not bring the community into the land I give them. And Moses goes no further. It's just not long after this. And Moses goes up on the mountain at a ripe old age in strength of 120 years old and he, he dies and God himself buried him. But here was this thing. He took it upon himself to do that. He, he did it that way. Why is, we've got these little bookends. We've got this picture that, the, that, that Paul says in Corinthians that, that, that Jesus was that rock. Jesus was that place. Well, guess what? We need to remember that, you know what, that, that the word tells us that Jesus was stricken. There was some punishment that had to come. There was some that had to come. But now, coming out of slavery, Jesus took that. But now, as you and I, when we begin to embrace, we begin to step into the benefits of it, into the covenant land, into all of that, that guess what the Word teaches us? That it isn't about works. It isn't about smacking something in around. It isn't about the old system. That there is a new system. See, John 4 says, Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. 
And then a few verses down, Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become a spring of living water, a spring of well, welling up to eternal life. Romans 10.9 says, If you confess with your mouth, you speak it, you say it. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. We want to step into from death to life. It's not about a bunch of works. It's not about smacking a rock. It's not about doing all the old system of religious practice and whatnot. It's simply as wonderfully glorious as just recognizing who Jesus is and saying that if we try to get back into the old system, we're not going to be able to step over. Moses tried to do it the old way. He, wasn't, he didn't get in. He didn't step over. We just simply have to embrace what has already been done for us. What a beautiful picture. What a beautiful picture on this side of the cross, on this side of the, of the empty grave, of seeing who Jesus is. Jesus is also our rock and provides us access to the presence of God through being placed in him. Jesus is our gift of closeness we even sang together <clears throat> just a little bit ago that i uh, sing i live in the risen sun you want to do a good study i tell you to just get a good bible study program or just start going through and look at all the in christ or in jesus in the bible man it is just so absolutely incredibly rich and here's another incredible story that is a monumental moment all by itself. But looking at it from, the, from Jesus, it is so much richer. Exodus 33. We have verses 20 through 23. He says, <clears throat> and this is God talking. He says, but you cannot see my face, for no one may see me and live. And then the Lord said, this is a place near me. There is a place near me where you may stand on a rock. And when my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft in the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. And then I will remove my hand and you will see my back, but my face must not be seen. Hear that no one can stand in the presence of God and live. Nobody can see the, the glory. And it was not because, oh my goodness, you saw it. I'm going to whoop I'm going to whoop you. It's just the same thing to say that that can... You take a nice gallon of bleach and you squirt some germs in it. The germs just die. And guess what? The bleach is not now defiled. The bleach is still bleach. It'll still bleach something else. It's still pure. It's still that. That is God in our... So God kept... Because he, he didn't want to ruin us forever. That we were in a place... That we needed, we needed to be able to have, to have contact with God. We needed to have that impurity, all that stuff dealt with. And Jesus would be that for us. See, Ephesians 2.13 says, Now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near through the blood of God. Through the blood of Christ. You who were once far away. Who, who weren't able to be in the presence. Here when Moses, the one that was close to him, that wrote all of the picture, that he was going to be there, that he had to hide him in the rock. Stick him in there in the little cleft, in the little fissure. God put his hand over it, sit there, and said, okay, now you can see just the back of my face. You cannot see. It'll, it'll, it'll kill you. 
But all right, now you can take in this. But in Christ, we have this picture that we would be able, in Christ, in our rock of our salvation, that we would be able to have the closeness, <coughs> that <coughs> access to the very throne of God. Ephesians 3.12 says, In Him, in Him, and through faith in Him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. You realize that the priests that would go in, they weren't having an encounter with God like Moses did on here, but they would go into the Holy of Holies, they had a rope tied around their ankle and bells and they would keep moving around and if the ringing stopped that people on the other end would grab that rope and drag their dead corpse out of there. I mean, that was a scary thing for them outside of being alive in Christ to be in the presence of God. But now on this side of it, this side of it in Christ, we get to approach God with confidence we get to approach God with freedom. See, Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive <clears throat> mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. He is our Ebenezer. He is our rock. God had been communicating that all along in these monumental moments and these times that he'd used rock they were all pointing us to the place that jesus would be our source of life that we would be able to have closeness and, and, and personal encounter with god through christ that we would be enclosed in in his righteousness not in our own would be able to have direct access to god folks i don't know why you and i who are alive in christ would want to to waste any of those moments why would we want a day to go by with not with not being in the presence of God. With not having Him shape us from the inside out. See, folks, Jesus is what matters. He's the most important decision anybody ever makes. He is. We have to come to this place where we recognize who He is and what He's to be in our lives. He's not just the baby in the manger. He's not just the man that was on the cross. He is our very source of life. And this, at this time, during this holiday season, we need to make sure that we don't, we don't let it slip out of our minds that He is our stone of health. For a lot of people, this is one of the most depressing times of the year. Clark household, we love the holiday time. But not everybody does. A lot of times this is a time where people feel extra alone, not extra close. Where people feel extra tight. Where the money that barely makes the bills isn't making the bills and the holiday expenses and all of those different things. We just feel the end of our rope and need help. He is that help. He is that help. And we that know that, we carry that with us. We get to insert that into people's lives. We get to call on Him because we have access to Him and we get to connect others with Him as well. So this morning, what we want to do is we want to make sure first and foremost that everybody has said yes to that. That everybody has embraced that. The source of life is, <clears throat> for all life is your source of life. The place of standing before God where we don't have to be afraid of being in the rock, that He's your rock. We want to make sure of that this morning. So if 
<clears throat> if that's you, if you're needing to place your simple faith, make the declaration that He is Lord. And then with everybody just creating a quiet moment and all the heads bowed.